0: I think that the Easter weekend is a continuing anomaly in Canadian life. Christmas has been domesticated, as you know, so thoroughly with Rudolph and Frosty and Santa Claus. Easter is much harder to commercialize. You know, it's it's really hard to sentimentalize a guy writhing on a cross who's about to die.
1: This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. Welcome back to the show that explores the intersection of faith and culture in Canada. And we are interested in this as we gear up for Easter. We're in the middle of a special mini-series titled The Power of the Cross. My guest from Crandall University in Moncton, we have John Stackhouse, Jr. John, thanks for making the time. Good to talk to you, David. John, among your distinguished career in ministry, you've found a way to weave in lots of humor. Do you get new material every place that you go? Life
0: is an unfolding tableau of uh, comic potential, as you know. It's very kind of you to, to lead with that because I often find when I'm introduced, people will lean on the academic credentials. And the more they try to compliment me, the more I can see the audience sinking deeper and deeper into their seats going oh this guy is going to be so boring so the first four jokes never land right because they're expecting me to be a boring theologian (laughs) and by the fourth one they're looking at each other saying oh i think he i think he meant that oh that, that was actually kind of funny and then they kind of sit up in their chairs and then i can really get going so so thanks for that i i promise to be as funny as i can possibly be and then we'll see i'd say any of your listeners enjoy the humor
1: john you have uh you know, your background as a Bible scholar, professor, but you've had this desire to put yourself out there in the media. What's motivated you to do that?
0: Well, I would say that, honestly, uh, I mean, I wrestle with insecurity and conceit as much as anybody else, but I really don't care about putting myself out there. I really have always felt that the Christian faith has not enjoyed a good public profile in Canada. I grew up in Ontario in the 60s and 70s and spent the 80s in the United States and came back to Canada in the 90s. And increasingly over my lifetime, it seems that when we look at the major media, the Globe and Mail, the National Post, uh, Maclean's Magazine, if people remember that, uh, Weekly News Magazine, the CBC, uh, the major TV networks. Christianity is increasingly and has been since, I think, the 70s, the religion that the cool people don't belong to. It's the one that their parents belong to, and they've now outgrown that. And Christians are, at best, kind of genial grandpas and grandmas. At worst, they're dangerous kooks. And I just know too many sensible, healthy, useful, Christian citizens in Canada to buy into that stereotype. So I've been interested in saying, yeah, not all Christians are like that, you know, hashtag not all of us. And uh, particularly when it comes to evangelical Christianity, which is my own tribe, we certainly blow ourselves up from time to time. But there's also an important tradition of Christ centered piety, a very serious mission to the world, and of honest and honorable living. That also needs to be part of the public story. And so I try to add that to the public record when I can.
1: Do you think it's potentially cyclical that we will have some relevance again as spirituality is increasingly becoming more of a, of a curiosity for some Canadians? I mean, just to add to that, I was listening to an interview with David Brooks over the weekend, a columnist for the New York Times, well-known Christian. And he said that prior to 2016, there was a few years there in his Lecturing at Yale, where there was this early 2000s, it wasn't cool to be a Christian on campus. And then there was sort of like this openness. I'm just wondering if maybe that will play out in Canada eventually, what your your read on that would be.
0: I think the decline of the cultural importance and the cultural power of Christians since the 1960s has had uh, a good and a bad effect on Christianity in Canada. The bad effect has been, I think, a double standard. I think Christians are often treated worse than believers of other religions. I think that with the possible exception of Muslims who have a very up and down kind of record in the media, sometimes treated better than they deserve, sometimes treated worse. I think in in mainstream media in Canada, Christians generally get off worse than especially Buddhists, but members of other religions as well as, as the journalists fall over themselves trying to be respectful to religions they don't really understand But I think also what's even worse is the increasing number of court decisions, of decisions by professional colleges, of doctors, pharmacists, teachers and lawyers that are actually hostile to, I would say, orthodox Catholic and Protestant Christianity, making it very difficult uh, increasingly for conscience rights, for physicians and nurses, for pharmacists, for lawyers and for educators So that's an ominous turn, I think, that we see increasing over the last 10 or 15 years. That's the bad news. On the other hand, the good news is that because new generations of of Canadians are growing up without any sense of being oppressed by or dominated by Christianity, they're open to it. And particularly in British Columbia, where I'd spent the last almost 20 years, Christians are about as rare as Hindus. And there's a sense in which... We deserve at least as good treatment as anybody else. So the multicultural openness of British Columbians to Christians I found refreshing, and I suspect that's going to be true in the rest of the country. Uh, A a new generation grows up that doesn't know the difference between Moses and Muhammad. These are students I teach at Crandall. We're a Christian university, but we teach lots of non-Christians. And they have no chip on their shoulder. They have no prejudice. It's just, you know, tell me about it. I'm interested to
1: know. That's a a balanced response. I've just got to ask you, was there a point in your professional career where it really became so overwhelmingly clear that you needed to help try to bridge that disconnect?
0: When I came back to Canada from studying and teaching in the States, uh, I was a junior assistant professor really at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. And my area of specialization and teaching responsibility in that fairly large department of religious studies at U of M was modern Christianity. And you know, Canada is a big country geographically, but we're not a very populous country. So there are very few experts in any particular field. And when it came to interpreting events in the news that happened to be religious and particularly about Christianity. I was pretty much what there was in Winnipeg, and therefore in Manitoba. So fairly early on, I began to notice CBC Radio would have these commentaries that they would run after the 7 o'clock news or 8 o'clock news in the morning. And I thought, I've got an opinion or two. Let me see if I can talk to them about that. And that began my connection with CBC Manitoba, where they also did the radio show DNTO, Definitely Not the Opera. I did uh, not only several shows with them, but I worked on two series with them on The Seven Deadly Sins and then The Seven Cardinal Virtues, which came out in the 90s. And in fact, on Easter Sunday uh, this year, CBC's national program on spirituality, Tapestry, is going to run an interview with me on my book, Uh, Can I Believe? Uh, Christianity for the Hesitant. So I'm delighted to reconnect with them, and I feel that we need to be careful as Christians not to have a monolithic view of the major media as if they're all out to get us. No, I think just some of them are
1: sometimes. Mm. Now that's helpful, balanced and nuanced. Uh, let's get into some of your, your scholarship and with Easter on the horizon here, such a, a prolific and really climactic event in the Christian calendar. Uh, how do you see elements of the Easter story Uh, bring openings to Canadians to further consider why the Christian faith is something for them?
0: I think that the Easter weekend is a continuing anomaly in Canadian life. Christmas has been domesticated, as you know, so thoroughly with Rudolph and Frosty and Santa Claus.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah commercialized you know
0: now major corporations sponsor tv specials about the commercialization of christmas you know like the ironies are, are, are pretty deep easter is much harder to commercialize you know it's it's really hard to sentimentalize a guy writhing on a cross who's about to die right it's it's hard to dress that up for kids and easter sunday morning an empty tomb somebody coming back from the dead again it's pretty hard to turn that into a hallmark special So what's happened, of course, is that it's been turned into a fertility uh, event. It's been turned into a spring festival. So we have bunnies and chicks. And now increasingly, I'm finding uh, friends of mine who are the parents of small children are under pressure to turn it into another Christmas, into presents for the kids on Easter rather than just chocolate, candy, candy. And now you're supposed to also have presents, presumably under the Easter tree. This is, I think, a kind of pathetic attempt of the commercial culture to co-opt Easter. But Easter has too many sharp points. That cross really sticks in the throat as the commercial machine tries to swallow it. And I think as Christians, we need to push back against the co-opting of Easter, and we need to get the message out that Easter is a very adult and very strange affair. It's not an affair for kids. This is about the Son of God suffering and dying for the wickedness of human beings, dying, going into a lonely tomb, and then being raised from the dead by the power of God. This is not kid stuff. This is uh, wild adult stuff. And it was my privilege, actually, probably 10 years ago or so, to write a piece that the Globe and Mail actually published on Good Friday, and I deliberately took it on. I said, what's so good about bloody Good Friday? And I was intrigued that they would publish that. And I think we as Christians need to not shy away from the angularity of Easter, from those provocative points that are right at its heart, and refuse to give it up to the bunnies and chickens.
1: And what kind of openings have you been trying to drive home when you have these media opportunities around Easter so that Canadians can connect to the sharp points that are so wrapped up in this amazing few days that we celebrate?
0: Some of the research of my friend uh, Reg Bibby, the sociologist from the University of Lethbridge over the years, as he has polled Canadians from coast to coast on their religious beliefs and practices, some of his data have shown that most Canadians either identify with Christianity or identify with being formerly Christian or acquainted with Christianity. So, unlike every other religion in Canada, most Canadians think that they know what Christianity is. That's the first thing. The second thing is, most of them demonstrably don't know what it is. Any kind of poll that asks Canadians about the basic content of the Christian faith Can you define the Trinity? Can you define atonement? Can you define incarnation? Now, these are very difficult theological matters, as you know, as a theology student yourself, but they're also basic to the Christian faith. You really can't understand Christianity without talking about Trinity, incarnation, and atonement. But most Canadians manifestly are clueless about these things. So, we have this really terrible situation where most Canadians think they know what Christianity is, but they manifestly don't. So, we as Christians, I think, need to be in the surprise business. I think we need to find ways of surprising Canadians with what we actually do believe, with the strangeness of our story and its surprising relevance to people's quest for meaning, for significance, for order, and for goodness. There is a lot of about Christianity that people think they know that isn't true. In fact, in in my most recent book, Can I Believe? Christianity for the Hesitant, I spent a fair bit of time, David, actually trying to show people that they don't actually know what Christianity is, that it actually is a stranger and more interesting story than we North Americans think it is. It might not be true, might not be true, that's up for people to decide. I, I believe it is. But at least let's get the story straight, So a lot of what I think uh, we need to do as Canadians is realize we have a massive public relations problem. People think they understand what we're talking about and they dismiss it. But they're really dismissing a very pale and sometimes actually fairly abusive version of the good news as it really is in the gospel.
1: How will you fix the PR problem specifically about Good Friday, Jesus going to the cross and, and bearing our sins?
0: Well, I think for one thing, we shouldn't run away from it. We shouldn't try to make Easter too much of a fun time for the whole family. I think we need to, 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 to realize that lots of people, particularly with the stress of COVID having made everything more difficult than it normally is over the last couple of years, people are looking for meaning. Not everybody, but lots of people are. People are looking for community. Not everybody, but lots of people are. People are looking for answers. Not everybody, but lots of people are. And so I think that if we can offer to people Services, sermons, teachings on Good Friday that really do deal with this big question What is God doing on the cross? Why do Christians think that this man who is suffering under the thumb of Rome is actually the victor who is the Lord of the universe? He doesn't look like he's winning up there, he looks very much like he's losing. And when it comes to Sunday morning on Easter, I think we as preachers and teachers need to tell the whole story. I don't think we can presume that people understand Good Friday and now we get to celebrate on Easter. I think when we get those people who come to church once or twice a year, I think we've got to tell them the whole story. Otherwise, Easter won't make any sense, and it will be easily co-opted into the ritual of spring and new life and dawn and chocolate and the opportunities lost.
1: Mm. Yeah, without Good Friday, it would be shallow, and without Easter Sunday, it would be hopeless. I see, uh, Yeah, I agree. Both are are so so crucial. The resurrection, uh, the Apostle Paul says that our faith hinges on this. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then what we believe in is, is useless. Uh, but still, even to a lot of Christians, I think this resurrection is something that we don't know enough about. In your work as as a professor, uh, how have you tried to ex, you know challenge your students to expand the magnitude of what of what transpired there? Jesus rising above
0: evangelical Christians, uh, of which I am one, are really concerned to communicate as simply and as clearly as we can. That's a good thing, but we can oversimplify in our zeal to be understood. To really understand what's happening on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, you do have to have both the backstory and the forestory. You need to understand the Jewish background. You need to understand the sacrificial system and the covenants that are framing what Jesus does during that holy week. But we also need to see that Jesus rises from the dead and that's good for Jesus, but you know, the rest of us don't rise from the dead. Jesus gets to go back to heaven on Ascension Day and that's nice for Jesus, but it doesn't seem to help the rest of us. We have to realize that we need to say more than that just that Jesus can, comes back from the dead and is raised up to go back to heaven. Well, nice for him, but he leaves the rest of us here. We need to make sure in particular that we connect Easter and Ascension Day with Pentecost. We need to emphasize that Jesus said, "'It's to your advantage that I go away.'" because if I I go away, I'll ask the Father, and he will send another. He will send this mysterious third person who is going to actually make things even better for you than I made them. And I think that as evangelicals, we have always typically preached the importance of the Holy Spirit as well as of Jesus. We need to do a better job of that today as well. Otherwise, I think even Easter doesn't really make sense.
1: And what about our role of also then resurrecting ourselves and that identity that we have and inheriting every blessing with Jesus.
0: The Holy Spirit is given to us to change us from the inside out, to walk with us day by day, to shoulder our sorrows, and to empower us to live the kinds of lives that manifestly do differ from the mainstream of Canadian life. One of the most interesting and overlooked books ever written on Canadian religion is a book by a sociologist at nearby Acadia University in Nova Scotia, a man named Kurt Bowen. He only wrote one book, as far as I know, on Christianity. It was on Christianity in Canada, published in 2005, Christians in a Secular Age, kind of a boring title, kind of a boring book, 300 pages of stats and trends and so on in Canadian religion. The powerful conclusion of Professor Bowen's book is that people who regularly go to church in Canada are so different from everybody else. They have better marriages. They have lower incidence of teenage pathology, early teenage pregnancy, drug use, depression, suicide. They are, report uh, happier lives. They are more stable in the workforce. They volunteer more, both in Christian and non-Christian settings. They contribute more to society financially, both Christian and non-Christian charities. He said, if the rest of the population were like these church-going Christians, there would be billions of dollars extra for charitable work in Canada. Conversely, if these Christians acted like everybody else, there would be billions of dollars that would disappear overnight from the charitable sector. And Canadian life would be immeasurably poorer. Now, this is really powerful stuff. He's not talking about people who call themselves Christians or who are spiritual but not religious. One of the most important data that show up, David, is his finding that it's only regular church-going Christians in this category. Everybody else, they can call themselves Christian. They can call themselves spiritual but not religious. They can call themselves atheists. Sociologically, they look all the same. It is a sheer cliff drop from regular church-going Christians to everybody else in Canada. Now, this is really powerful. This is really good news. Christianity really makes a difference in people's lives. I've seen the same data show up in the National Opinion Research Center in the University of Chicago. I've seen it in the Pew Charitable Trusts at their survey of life in America. Those are the two countries on which I know the data. Both countries, that is a really strong trend. This is good news that, uh, frankly, uh, the secular media as well as the religious media need to get hold of, and we need to rejoice in that and, I think, celebrate that.
1: Yeah, this is the power of the cross, the transformation that that occurs inside of a person who's recognized what Jesus has done and has, has claimed that as their own. I just want to finish on the most recent book that you published, Can I Believe?, and you You articulate really well the dichotomy of faith and knowledge that I think we can kind of get in ditches on when it comes to making sense of of Christianity, let alone religion in general. And... You know, the disciples, they, they navigated this, right? Even, even when Jesus did die and, and then rise again, they were still kind of working things out. But there's this incredible shift that happens and the change in character of someone like Simon Peter. Um, and yet so many of us, as you put it, try to focus in on this unjustifiable certainty and, or cynical despair. Uh, and yet that's just n- neither one of those is really what, what Jesus is pointing to. What would you say he's pointing us to?
0: Well, I think this Christian word of faith is really a basic psychological truth. Faith isn't magically spiritual. It's about trust. It's about knowing enough about someone or something that we then trust them and we take a risk with them. So, this guy calls me and says, I want to do a podcast with you. Well, i check out this guy and find out who he is. And I I learn enough about David Mann to think, you know, I think I can trust this guy. I think, I think I can go on with him, let him record me, let him put out my face and name and voice out there. I don't have much control over it. But because I get to know a little bit about David Mann, I then trust him and we enjoy this conversation together. This is the kind of thing we do all the time. I don't know for certain what you're up to, David, but I'm pretty sure I know, and I'm sure enough that I can then trust you to make this conversation happen. This is what we need to do on a much larger scale when we decide to marry somebody or when we decide to raise kids with them, when we decide to form a business partnership, and this is what God asks us to do. That's the big ask, is to give your life to God, but then God gives us lots of good reason to make that commitment in an intelligent and rational way. And what I try to do in this book is to show why two billion people around the planet think that this is a good risk to take.
1: And would you say in your own personal life that you sway more to the certainty side of things or to the faith, like if you're catching yourself every so often?
0: Oh, I, I'm quite convinced that we can be certain of really nothing except what philosophers would say are our own immediate frames of mind. I can't be less than certain if I'm feeling pain. I know I'm feeling pain. Or about two plus two equals four. Other, other than those kinds of things, we're just human beings. We, we, we all walk by faith, not by sight, actually. The, the key, I think, then, is to put our faith in the right things and in the right people. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This is where your faith should go. And I think he's right.
1: Awesome. John Stackhouse from Crandall University, a great Christian voice for these past number of decades in Canada. Appreciate this. Good to visit with you, Dave. Thanks. And if you want to read up on any of the material that John has mentioned in today's conversation, you can find it all, including how to read the first chapter of his new book, Can I Believe, when you head to davidmanmedia.com slash podcast. Today's episode is a presentation of Legacy Financial in Toronto and Rayco Heating and Cooling in Peterborough. Next time on Culture at the Crossroads. We conclude this mini Power of the Cross series and we hear another testimonial conversation with Erica Boone. Don't miss how her brother's suicide and getting cancer while a young adult would prompt her to meet Jesus. We do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, better equipping you in following Jesus.